0: You ready to roll? I'm ready. Okay. So, I don't know what this
1: podcast is going to be called, but... Welcome to the unnamed podcast <laughs> the unnamed- about <laughs> health. Right. Ah!
0: So uh, what I wanted to do in this podcast is start by helping the people who we work with understand what it is that we're trying to do. So we are a couple months from public launch, and we realized while we were building this that we needed to start a different kind of conversation. So I'm Ryan Spence. I'm Jeff Porter. And uh, we are the founders of the Site Health app, and we are going to talk about ourselves, how we met, how we decided to do this. And what the site health app
1: is a little bit of background about ourselves and how we came to, um, be passionate or invest in holistic health, natural health, autoimmune, all of that.
0: So Jeff, welcome to my basement. <laughs> <a little> creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. Yeah. It's dungeon like, It uh, so how, what's your story and how did you get started down this path?
1: Sure. Um, My story starts with I think like a lot of Americans that grew up in the Midwest, um, kind of a lower middle income family, standard typical American high carb diet. um, uh, Played a lot of sports, so kind of was able to eat whatever I wanted and not really see the the destruction or the side effects of doing that. Um, Played some college football. Gained a lot of weight doing that, but needed to just for the position that I was playing. And once that ended, um, I my I, I kind of kept the same habits as I had before. So gained a lot of weight, kind of transitioned that muscle to fat, got out of shape. Um, and then in 2008, my wife and I had our first child. And so I, at that point, wanted to get myself healthier for for the sake of my family. Um, kind of started down a, a path of health, looking for other things other than the standard um, meathead uh, type of exercise that I was used to, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so so it to mattered to
0: you how healthy you were as a father.
1: Correct, because I wanted to pass along those. I wanted my kids to see me and how important it was to me. And so they're gonna, you know, absorb, you know, catch more than they than I teach. Um, so I wanted to see them so they can emulate that behavior. Once uh I'd say my daughter had a, a few days in the NICU right when she was born, um, coming out of that, kind of just went through uh uh a few weeks at the house before we, we realized that she was having some either reaction to some of the typical um, formulas and whatnot, we went through, I can't tell you how many formulas until we ended, I think on Similac, um, was, you know, a, a rough process where she was just throwing up a lot, didn't really know what was wrong with her. But even when we were on that medication, she was when she started eating real food, um, we resorted back to, like most people, eating a, a, a way of life based on time and uh, comfort and you know how easy it is right mm. you can eat out fast food pretty pretty cheap right um you don't have to clean up afterwards right? and you know and it's pretty easy um but started noticing that she was just kind of getting miserable she was still throwing up a lot how started how, getting how sorry i'm no, interrupting you how old is she And I, I i'm i'm missing the
0: distance between birth At and your commitment point, yes, to health
1: yeah yeah so i uh, I'm still trying to find a path within wellness myself while dealing with this. So she didn't sleep a lot. So during this first year of her life, I would say it was probably the most stressful um, that I've ever been. Um, so health was not something that really was a priority to me at that point. Really, mm-hmm. it was just trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, not sleeping, stress at the time. I had my I had my own business um, and trying to get all of that accomplished. And being a new father, you know, you, you do everything you can, but you don't know if you're doing the right things or the wrong things. Right. Um, so as she's going throughout that first year, started introducing new foods, and then we started noticing more symptoms, different symptoms, and really didn't have an answer for any of it. Um, she wasn't sleeping, and so we started going through a battery of tests, um, sleep studies, doing all of these different kinds of Um blood work and whatnot, and eventually came to find out she had a lot of food allergies. Um, so at the time, I think it was wheat, dairy, nuts and seeds, well, nuts, peanuts specifically, sesame seeds, eggs, soy, and pork. Kind of this random one that showed up, right?
0: <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. How do you specifically find
1: that out? I don't, We just did a battery of tests. So they have a panel when they do the skin test. Um, and they just kind of it's it's not all-encompassing, but they, you know, they'll throw in the things that they think maybe what are they usually... They've got, like, the top few that are the, okay. you know, the highest, typically within most people. So, it's a skin test. There's a skin and a blood test. A and then you, and you blood correlate blood those th- two things together, because not one, I guess, is determinant. Okay. Um, 100%. So, you do kind of both, you look at the results, and then you kind of come up with a game plan. Yeah. So... Uh, Actually, to back that up, the reason we found that she was allergic to a food is we were out to eat for breakfast one morning and we fed her from our plate and there was some scrambled egg on that. And she immediately threw up and we were like, Oh, that's weird. You know, I didn't really think anything of it. And she's had a history of reflux and whatnot. Yeah. Um, went and got her cleaned up. My wife brought her back out and we were, she was eating, eating everything just fine. Fed her a little bit more egg before, again and immediately threw up again. We were like, Okay. That she's got something with eggs. Right. Um, So at the time and then now she's nine years old. She's grown out of just about all of them. But that started. At least my mindset of never even thinking of food in that way of being harmful just because I grew up eating whatever I wanted. (laughs) Right. Right. And so I started Did, diving into nutrition. And I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. But was there any part of your growing up where your caretakers talked to you about food? Never. Like was food ever an item
1: no, other than I, I, no? It was it. anything and everything you want yeah. whenever you wanted it almost. And,
0: and that's how you went into college football. Yeah, and then I, it didn't matter because the more you gained, the better. Exactly. Yeah. We'd
1: go to the cafeteria and just gorge ourselves every day. Okay. So, um, no, never, like I said, never really felt the consequences, never was educated. Um, I think everybody has this idea of what healthy eating is, is just eating, uh, you know, a, Broil chicken breast with some broccoli and maybe some brown rice, right? <laughs> right For right. every meal, right. and then you'll be healthy. But <laughs> yeah. um, nobody really broke it down into the macronutrients and then really defined it into the micro, right? Um, or, so or
0: talked about clean or processed or
1: none, right? Of that. You know, even portion control of yeah. you know from a car- protein, carbon, fat. How what percentage of each should you be looking at mm-hmm. based on what your goal is, and then everybody. Reacts differently to every food. So, you know, really listening to your body, which is a new concept for me, because it was just like listening to my body was, is it full or is it not full? Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) So so I really started diving into a lot of the the data at that point when there wasn't a lot back in 2008, 2009.
0: Do you remember any of those original... Like your first steps? I yeah. First steps well, well, I found the
1: paleo diet because at the time I just started doing CrossFit, which is the real early days of CrossFit back in 2008. I started doing that and they were pushing the paleo diet pretty hard. Okay, um, That and uh, not the Atkins diet. Uh, South Beach. No, they had something else. I can't remember. Okay. It was more about the portion control side of things. So I, I, I really learned, you know, to look at what kind of, Protein, carb, fats are the good sources between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, portion control within each. What does that mean? Um, trying to establish how much of each I should have at each meal. And then, you know, what are the effects of all of the bad things? You know, dairy being a bad thing. You used to have a standard uh, uh, protocol for me was a big glass of milk every night for dinner. You know? And come to, you, you know. Go. And then, you know, once I've... I really dove into the paleo diet i eliminated a lot of that stuff eliminated dairy eliminated wheat um a lot of processed foods and when i would introduce just one of those things back and it my body was completely different Mm. like i would have reflux it my gut would just cramp you know that, that wheat belly people talk about it you know the Yeah, Uh, you know, hangover the next day of distension in your gut and all that. I was I was experiencing all of that. It was just uncomfortable, and it it was a big eye opener for me just because I I couldn't believe it. I mean, I lived on pizza my whole life, right? right? I mean, so um, come to you know, coming to this realization that all of these things that I've been eating my entire life were potentially poisoning me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it was also a great learning. Um, looking at the, um nutrition that we push, looking at all the food that's available to us via fast food and whatnot, and just as a society, um, how everything seems to be a little bit backwards, especially right. when you start diving into the science and whatnot. So for the most part, that's that's how I got there is, you know, my my daughter has uh, a form of celiac. It's not, it's called eosinophilic esophagitis. It's EE for short. Um, so we've been... Once we eliminated all those things, it kind of forced us into a form of paleo. Okay. Right? So yeah. and so we just eliminated all those things from our household just because we didn't want her to get contaminated with it. Yeah. Um, I loved it just because it was kind of forcing all light, of us to light, eat healthy at the right. time, right? And so um that that began my journey, I would say, into um, health and wellness, especially from a nutritional side. And then I would dive into how do I, you know, started doing CrossFit? Is that the, is that what works best for my body? Does it, mm. you know, and then start listening to my body and so on and so forth. Just diving into all the different modalities that right. go into what makes a person healthy.
0: So you're naturally inquisitive about the things that you're doing. Cause you wonder like causally, how is this connected to that? How is this connected to that? Do you, can you, identify what the prime driver was for successfully changing your habits or your home or the practices of your home? Was it your, was it your daughter's health? Like that was the prime driver or was it you as a person that wanted to be fit?
1: Like I said, I always wanted to, Mm -hmm. um, it it takes a village though. Sometimes say as a family, if, if I'm wanting to eat and to move and to, have a certain lifestyle but if if your family your wife your spouse um your kids or you know the people around you your parents or whatever if it's it's hard if those people are not on board and at at first they weren't and uh my daughter being you know diagnosed with the ee and having a forced lifestyle put on us that's what really forced the healthier end of the lifestyle just because then we didn't have an option right right so it's um, it was, it was the way that I always wanted to eat and, and to, to be, um, the exercise piece was a little bit different, but I, I think nutrition is a huge foundation of all of it. Yeah. So you can't have one without the other.
0: It's difficult to make habit changes, right? Right. Um, it's not as difficult once you've experienced something else and that like the benefits of that, like whether it's and not a foggy brain, whether it's uh, you feel uh, surprisingly alert and strong, right? Like on and on. What the benefits of this kind of thing? Would, what, when did you first start, once you sort of saw this stuff, when did you first start to see those things and how much of a role did the experience of a clean diet or a more articulated diet, how did that, what kind of role did that
1: play in? Sure. I immediately saw the physical effects of like, so I gained a bunch of weight, like I said, in college. Um, was rolling around two thirty when I got out. And immediately once I cleaned it up, but I was diligent about it. I even started weighing and measuring all of my meals just to try to learn what is from a portion perspective, how much protein carbon fat should I have within a given meal? How does my body operate on that given the amount of physical output that I'm doing with CrossFit? Right. Is it sustainable and all that? Um, so immediately the weight just melted off. Like it the combination of the stress with my daughter at the the beginning, um, the stress will melt weight off of you too. But, um, yeah, I mean, I immediately saw the physical and then, um, felt the physical, um, especially when I tried to add back some of the things that I, you know, used to, if I go out and have a beer with friends, man, it was like, holy cow. It felt like I ate a loaf of bread. I do not get introduced
0: to, um, the, ancestral diet or any kind of concept of holistic eating, why, you know, organics to me from because of where I grew up, organics were a marketing ploy, right? There was, because I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere and we all made money growing rows, right? Like, like there, there was no... (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, you knew I was going to slip Brantley Gilbert into this thing somehow. Okay.
1: I figured that was a line from his or something. Yes, it is. Uh,
0: So I'd had nothing to go on. um, And then uh, in 2008, I wake up one morning and I can't uh, see straight, like the world is spinning. And and I was super numb, like the left side of my body was really numb and I didn't understand it. a really, really long day trying to trip back and forth between doctors. Ended up with a, like, 11 p.m. MRI diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. But if multiple sclerosis gets diagnosed. It doesn't get, like, affirmed for a while, right? So you have to kind of live through this. So I went through the terrifying early months of that. Sure. Um, a whole bunch of stuff happened. And then uh, I'm on my own living with MS. Uh, I have two sons that are with their mother now. And I'm, we've split up through this whole dynamic. It's really um, hurtful, whatever. You know, it's just a really bad time. So you go through that. Um, you, I still haven't learned anything about food or exercise or anything. I would just, just been an athlete in my younger life and just
1: was trying to deal with MS. And right. At this point, you're just trying to identify, what do I do now? What the heck? Yeah. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And, n- even- and none of it's good.
0: Right, there is no coping. There is no answer, and uh, I go for years in this pattern with nothing. Assuming food has nothing to do. It's just like you. I'm hungry. Am I hungry or not? That's really it. Yeah. Um, And so when when that's the state, you tend to default to the easiest, the easy button all the time, right? So that's what I was doing until I couldn't do it anymore, and then I woke up one morning and really couldn't ambulate. So I was really struggling with even moving. Um, and my wife then remarried. Liz then uh, pushes me to, she in a gargantuan effort to help me. Now she's at a distance from me at this, at this one point. And she says, uh, let's go. She finds Terry Walls' work, online research. Thank you, Google. Gets us into the Terry Walls thing. And I begin the Terry
1: Walls the Walls Protocol. How Um, long did you find that after you were diagnosed?
0: Walls? Yeah. Oh man. Five years, six years? A a long time. This is the books are pretty new still to this day. So um, I start to do that and, and I I like in one week went from almost not able to walk to like, I'm fine. Like I don't, I feel normal, right? I'm up, I'm walking. There's any, I don't have any MS recedes into the background again. Right. Because I know it's there, uh, but it's not inhibiting me from anything. Um, so I stuck with it for a big chunk of time. And just like your story, like all my extra weight fell off, like without effort, I didn't pick up new exercise. I am not you. So I didn't, I didn't go out and work it off. I didn't have a perception like I'm trying to lose weight, so I'm riding a bike a lot. Yep. I just ate wonderfully. Right. And it all melted off, and it, and I, <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. So um, in the interim between us, before I found a Walsh protocol and that solved this problem, you and I start to talk about this. So um, I have MS. Uh, you have your situation, and um, you and I meet – at our current place of employment uh, in the spring of 2014. Is that right? Or 15? 15. Is that right? 16. 16. Maybe. There we go. Yeah, 16. Um, so we meet in the, because we're both put on the same team, uh, and you're in one role, I'm in another role, and the, our, our boss says to me when I first come in, Hey, you should get to know Jeff. Jeff and you are going to be working closely for the field. You guys should get to know each other. So, we immediately, like a week after coming on the team, I'm in a, in a meeting room with you and we're up on a whiteboard instantly.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Immediately, we start talking about nutrition. We talk about health, talk about kind of broader things that we think affect health and where the gaps are within the industry, within. Right just the, the personal lives of people mm-hmm. and i it was it was amazing that we both had the exact same um what we thought were the answers yeah. i guess to the problems that are plaguing you know so many people right um and we've seen them struggle um and we feel like we we knew what to do we just hadn't had the ability or the uh the backing to do it right so this goes on for
0: how long do you think we just uh, would meet regularly? We decided to meet regularly just because we were sure. communicating well. Um, At least six months. Yeah. I think it was more than that. Yeah, it was, it was like, like 10 months later. Yeah. Um, so about 10 months later... We're deep in this. We've explained a whole it's bunch. It's like
1: of a constant. Did you see this article? Yeah, on that? Yeah, Did yeah. you see the new studies that had this? Yeah, we're throwing all kinds yeah. of things back and forth. Right. And we realize we have a conversation partner in the Did midst. you listen to this podcast yeah. and they had Dr. <laughs> So-and-so? Right. And they've got some new studies that aren't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's constant.
0: So uh, we, we get into a room and we basically say, why don't we make this happen? Like Because we've spent so much time talking about what's not there. Uh, for me, in the field of multiple sclerosis, and, and if you're listening to this podcast, you'll hear me talk about this for the rest of my life. So I'm not worried about the details. We'll get into details in other conversations. But for multiple sclerosis, there isn't anything there. So basically what you knew from me was I spent a ginormous amount of money and got nothing from it. And, there's, and so all of these people with MS are spending all of this money on the patterned care and getting nothing from it, and that's very frustrating to me because I don't, do not like uh, inefficiency, and that seems powerfully inefficient. When, you, when I went to the, the neurologist, I didn't really ever get a good answer for what, what the return should be. Right. Um, so we get in, we've, we've got a meeting together, we get in there, and we're just like, that's it. Why, we're, why don't we start to ideate what a solution would be?
1: Well, we felt a passion that, you know, we, we've sat here and we talked about it. We feel like we have an answer. I feel like we owe it to ourselves for our life's work. And mm-hmm. we owe it to the people around us because we know plenty of people are affected by different autoimmune diseases, yep. including MS, yep. um, that we know we could help if we had the opportunity. Right. And so I, like, I think, Most people who do great work, they're driven by a passion. Yeah. And so once we got in that room and we started whiteboarding, it's like we could have been there forever. It was an explosion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we were completely aligned on it, which was the amazing thing of you coming from your background, me coming from my background and, and diving into, you know. Both of our, the way we were raised from the different careers paths and mm-hmm. how we came to this specific area, yeah. you being affected with MS, me dealing with my daughter and other things, um, to come to the same conclusion was pretty amazing. Right.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we sat down and it took us a couple months to, to sort of iterate what we were doing Um, But after a couple months, we really decided to pull the trigger, and we uh, incorporated as BioForge. Yep, BioForge Technologies. BioForge Technologies, um, and you and I are co-CEOs of uh, an effort to change how value in healthcare are delivered for those who need it most. Um, to, To Jeff and I, the... Goals of healthcare, so, so transparently, we both work in the healthcare industry. Yep. We work in a pharmaceutical manufacturer, so um, we're, we see intimately how one pillar of the healthcare industry works, and that's fine,
1: um, but... It also gives us access to all the others. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we see the healthcare systems and how they're affected. We see it from a payer perspective because we support those groups. We see how pharma, yeah. you know, are paying. We see the PBMs and how those are the pharmacy uh, benefit. I
0: was going to say, if you are going to use an acronym, you got to
1: yeah. You gotta pharmacy pharma benefit, benefit managers. There you go. I think I um, always just say PBMs, <laughs> but we all do. essentially they're the middlemen between the, a pharmaceutical company and the pharmacy themselves, and, and there is a huge markup there. We just see so many cogs in the system, and so many. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole system is just. Fraught with yes. inefficiencies, the wrong way of thinking and doing. Right. And we've kind of got ourselves in this huge mess.
0: Yes. Well, um, so we're recording this right after the Amazon JP Morgan yep. Berkshire announcement that they're going to do, they're, they're going to form a, a fourth company that's going to begin to build a new healthcare system for their three companies they're going to see if they can figure out the healthcare problem. And, and honestly, that's the most exciting thing I have heard in healthcare for a long time. Sure. As opposed to the standard uh, communique about healthcare is therapy, is I'm a doctor, here's a cure, or I'm a doctor, here's a researcher. I'm a so we get, we've gotten sort of locked into the old system of healthcare that. The new things that technology and processes and uh, logistics have brought to us haven't been even had a chance to,
1: to correct. Yeah, we don't even think we're on the cusp of what could be. Yes. Because so far, everything that we've seen from a technological perspective is trying to fix processes within the system itself. Right. Hey, schedule your new appointment online or right. put all of your health data within this system at it just it's this singular system, system yeah. but maybe you see yeah. doctors in all kinds of systems. Right. Maybe you see a chiropractor. Maybe you see, you know. A functional doctor. Right. Yeah. I mean, those, none of those people talk. Right. There's no collective effort to see who you are as a person. Yep. Um, There's no
0: open data structure. Now, I know that we can talk about security and all those things, but doctors themselves don't have access to a single record of, you know, a single right. record for each
1: person. It's just well, not. You know, and another one of the things that we've talked about is how everything from is most private practice practices are going into these large healthcare systems yep. because they can't afford it yep. from an insurance perspective. Right. Um, those large healthcare systems are now putting a lot of pressure on the types of medications, how long they're seeing patients. They're putting them on uh, uh, outcomes based payments. Yep. So they only get paid based on the, how the outcome is with whatever it is you came in with. Right. So you the outcome- come in with a sim- symptom, yeah. then all all they need to do or they, all they are, uh, Incentivize, Incenti- yeah, incentivized to do is to give you a prescription just to get rid of whatever that thing whatever is. They're the not looking at whatever the problem is. Right. Or you as an individual, holistically, they're just saying, oh, you have this, so there's a give script you this, for this. And, and it's a
0: standard of care. So they're, right. they're expected to do this sort of universally applied. So all of this turns out to be, the entire healthcare system, turns out to be just layers of patterns that are ineffective in delivering care or value. Like, right. like, no one's winning in this. Pharmac- pharmaceuticals aren't win- winning. Re- retail isn't winning. Doctors aren't winning. Like, nobody's winning. Right. And it's terrible because oftentimes the confusion gets thrown on government programs or private programs. Like, it, n- no one seems to be addressing the whole. Now, you and I can't address the whole. Right. But we can create something unique in the midst of that that makes different assumptions about. How health is done for every person, right? Sure. So, so, going from who we are, the problems that we've identified, we have begun to create what we're calling the Site Health app. Is that right? Yep. yep. Okay. So we're BioForge Technologies creating the Site Health app.
1: Yep. Site health. health. You know, we came up with Site. This name could change. To be honest with you, it could change over time. Um. We wanted cite just because if you cite a source and we're citing multiple sources of your personal health to create a singular vision of where you're at in that journey and how do you get to being the healthiest person that you personally can be. Not what is the system, how healthy the system thinks you are, but how healthy are you as a person? And that could mean different things for different people. Right. And that's why we're, you know, you kind of have to cite multiple different sources within the body and metrics and modalities that correlate into one specific thing. One
0: specific thing. So uh, site identifies four quadrants that we consider to be the pillars of of personal health. Four things that all affect one another, uh, but when uh, discovered, when the highest value of each is discovered for the individual, they have the ability to lift all four, and all four together can create, uh, y- you know, an amazing sense of one's well-being. Um, so we, site itself, um, help me understand, Jeff, how you think site is different from uh, other apps that track sleep, nutrition, stress, uh, and what else am I tracking? Nutrition. Sleep, nutrition, stress, activity, activity. <coughs>
1: I'll edit that out. Yes, you will. <laughs> so, so most most apps are singular in focus. So we want to track your sleep for you. We want to try help you track your nutrition, and all they do is really just regurgitate all of the data that you put in, so that you have kind of an, uh, a a roadmap essentially from a report of did I eat? Well, How did I eat? How did I sleep? How much activity did I have over a period of time? Um, but it gives you no recommendation. It tells you if it's good or bad. How does that really affect your health? If I'm, if I'm out there eating, you know, a a super low carb diet, um, but I'm out there training for a marathon running, you know, 26 miles a day. Yeah. Um, it's not very sustainable, you know, just from a pure caloric perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and if you are feeling like garbage because of that, you have no data to suggest otherwise. You don't know what the cause of that is. Sure. Um, So what we do, what we're doing is putting all of that together. We're going to put sleep, nutrition, stress, and activity all in one, you know, one package to show people specifically where they are deficient, where they can improve, where they're doing great, Um, and then give recommendations for each, right? So based on our research, based on clinical data, based on white papers, whatever, whatever data is out there, we have a huge database repository that we're pulling from yep. um, that will give recommendations based on wherever they're at in their journey. Right. And then we can tweak that as they either see success or they don't.
0: So um, what we haven't talked about is there's a site score. There's, sure. there's a single score that is arrived at via the four quadrants. And that single score is us trying to make your well-being or your health uh, the highest it can possibly be. So that the, the larger the score, the, the healthier you are relative to the four quadrants. And it makes it, simplifies. First of all, it gives meaning to the four quadrants instead of, like you said, just numbers on a sheet. Like, great, there's my weight. It's going up and down. Or great, there's my hours of sleep. It's going up and down. I don't really know what that means. Well, your sleep doesn't mean anything aside from your health. Like, if you are somebody who can get six hours of sleep a night and you feel great, uh, the normal sleep app is going to nudge you to try to get you to sleep more. Right. It doesn't relate sleep to anything else. So we're trying to say that a person is really a giant package of things. What is the easiest way for us to understand that package and then, it, and then explain it in a single, single
1: number? I think that one of the great things that, about what we're creating is most apps, and I think why they... the. The amount of engagement drops off so fast is it requires a lot of data input. Yeah, you know, yeah. how much? what did you eat very specifically? What kind of exercise did you do? Um, how great did you sleep? You need to input all of this data. You know, it's almost like a part-time job just right. keeping up with all the data. Yep. One of the great things about what we're doing is taking all this passive data, so we're not requiring so much of the person. Can you talk a little bit about sure. how we're able to accomplish that?
0: Yeah, so um, we are writing into the, the native part of the application access to a lot of the things that uh, OS makers Android or or Apple uh, put in as available data sets from the sensors on the device and start to correlate a lot of that activity. So if you are really in motion, we're going to know that. If you're super stressed out and you're hammering on that screen to type a text message, we're going to know that. We're going to be able to see and sort of respond to that. So there really are only two kinds of data input that we want you to give us. And that is, we want you to answer yes or no questions, because I want to see if I think you're eating lunch at 1 p.m. every day, I'm going to ask you, looks like you're eating lunch at 1 p.m. every day. Is that right? Yes or no? So all you're going to do is help us triangulate the patterns of your life, uh, be able to affirm them or deny them, and then tell us how happy you are. I mean, really, those are the only two things. How are you feeling right now? And yes or no to a question. And with... The algorithmic uh, calculation of each one of those quadrants, along with your input of yes or no, or how you feel, we can start to uh, show you the patterns of your life that result in unhappiness and the patterns of your life that result in really strong well being. And we're going to be able to show that on the thing. So that's how we come to that's how the technology understands you. And that's how we come to the point of being able to, to say, Hey, let's try something really simple. Here's your challenge this week. Let's get one more hour of sleep in the middle of the week, right? So, so Wednesday night, we're not going to get seven and a half hours. We're going to get eight and a half hours. We'll see how that goes. And we'll be able to see that against the pattern and see if it's got good results or not, right? So, so it's generally a passive uh, gathering of data. Uh, it hopes to arrive at something really valuable for you. The one thing that it does require is that you have it on your phone and that it's running. I mean, that's basically it. Then all the value should come to you as you launch it or as you see the reports coming in.
1: Sure. Well, one of the things that we're hoping to do, or not hoping to do, that we'll have right out of the gate, is the ability to connect in with, say, other applications that you're using for this. So if you've, if you're really into a certain app for tracking sleep yeah. or for tracking nutrition, you want to continue to use that, or you have a huge repository of data in that. We're not asking to delete that. We can partner with those yep. apps and start sh- pulling in that data. Right. You know, right into what we're doing.
0: Yeah. So we're going to be integrating with all of the the popular uh, application space. Um, Jeff, thanks for coming here tonight. I appreciate this. We're getting this launched. Uh, Everybody, we're going to come back uh, in a couple weeks, and we'll have our second podcast. We'll start to look deeper at the specific uh, quadrants, start to understand what we're doing there. Uh, We'll try to get some of you on a schedule for an interview uh, for the podcast, and we'll move forward with this.
1: All right. Any any other last words? nope Nope. to your health to your health see you guys